Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Amen and amen. I want to just thank God that, like my mom said, nothing is impossible for our father. Not a single thing, whether it be to return those lost years like she prayed, whether it be to to just help us grow, to help us break free, to help us, whatever it may be. God is totally able to do any and everything in our lives. We just have to allow him to be God to be the God of not just one area, but to be God of everything in our lives. He doesn't want to be a partial God. He wants to be your all in all. He wants to be the beginning, the end, the first, the last, everything in between. He wants to be it all. And honestly, when we look at the alternative, I mean, why not? We don't lose anything by going to the Lord. Actually, we gain everything. And once we gain it all, we then gain more. Because now we're taking the trust out of self, the trust out of work, the trust out of people, places, things, ideas, ideologies. And we put it all in the one eternal thing that there is, and that's the Lord himself. So with that, y'all, tonight we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic. And the Lord has placed this in me very specifically because it's something that we all deal with in one way, shape, form or fashion. It's something that we all struggle with in our own ways. And it's something we just we don't talk about enough. You know, we, we've talked about similar things in, in Bible study before, but we've never just really dug in depth about this. And an overarching theme that we'll be talking about tonight will be the duality of man, meaning our our carnal nature and our spiritual nature. And I want you to keep that in mind as we move forward, as we get into the definitions and then as we get into the scripture, because it's all going to come back to that that theme of our duality. So for Bible study tonight, we'll be talking about lust control. Yes, lust. Now, when we hear the word lust, we typically associate it with sexuality. But lust is so much more than that. And if you will take a look at the definition We can see that lust is a psychological force producing intense desire for something or circumstance while already having a significant amount of the desired object. Lust can take any form, such as the lust for sexuality, money or power. Now, as you see, we talk about lust and in this very brief but very thorough definition, we can see that it it typically spawns from a desire. Now, we know, according to the book of James, that all of the desires that can tempt us, all the things that we have issue with that we face in life stem from self, meaning that even though the spirit is now saved, the sanctification process of getting this mind in order to help control the evil desires that this body wants to go and do because it wants nothing to do with the Lord. That's why we're constantly at war. It's up here now because this, the spirit man has been saved, but it's in this battle that we're constantly faced with the decision, with the decision to either give in, let this thing do what it wants to do or take the power that God has placed inside of us, take the power that he can is continually wanting to seed into our lives as we go throughout this process of being churned and purified and have all the impurities removed from ourselves. We also have the option to let him do that. And according to first Corinthians uh, chapter 13, it's that when we face these temptations that are already present within self, Instead of giving in, we turn to God for the strength to endure so that in the interim, while he's getting the pathway prepared for us, not that it isn't already available, but that he's getting us prepared to be able to walk it so that once we start the journey down it, 
to come out of whatever that stronghold may be, to break through, to break free, to be delivered, that once we step foot on it, we won't be looking back like Lot's wife did. And she got turned into a pillar of salt. We're 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 way past all of that now. So we can take this a step further. And when we take a look at the Greek word for lust, that word being epithumia, it means a desire, a passionate longing, or lust. Now, when we look at the cognate or the the root word for it, we take a look at epithymia, which derives from the word epi, which is focused on, and the word themos, which is passionate desire. It's properly passion built on strong feelings or urges. These can be positive or negative, depending on whether the desire is inspired by faith, God's in birth persuasion. So here we are. We are now at the the duality aspect of tonight's topic. We as people are, in fact, human. We make human mistakes. There is human error. We got issues. That's okay. We understand that. But we who are children of God are also spiritual. It's in this spirituality aspect of us that we have been given the ability, the power from God himself to become his children. And in becoming children of God, we now have the ability to be free. See, according to Romans chapter six, and if you've been with me, you've heard this before. It's around the bottom half of that chapter. I'm not going to give you the exact verse number because I can't recall it right now. But toward the bottom of Romans six, we see that under the the power of the law or before salvation, we have no obligation to do the right thing. We have no obligation to, to serve God faithfully and truthfully because we can't. There is nothing good inside of us to choose God, not a single thing. So all the self-help, if you want to be better, just go do better. Impossible. There's nothing in you to be better. It's garbage. And when you feed garbage, what happens? It multiplies more feces, more dung, more everything bad that should not be there. But you, you skip over to chapter eight because we see that the answer to get right is inside of Jesus, as Paul says at the bottom of chapter seven in eight, around like the 13th verse, because we have been freed from the power of sin and death. Thanks to Jesus, we now are free from the obligation to do wrong. Why? Because that's not who we are anymore. Spiritually, the real you was once dead, but now you are alive. And because you are alive and free inside of Christ Jesus, everything else that used to apply to you no longer applies. Now, it's with this that we're going to look at one more definition and we'll hop into the scripture. And it's very important that we understand this because I actually learned that this was a term today, thanks to my brother, Project, because he's a psychology psychology major. And this word that we're going to be looking at is called self-efficacy. Now, if we take a look at the word self-efficacy, it refers to an individual's belief in his or her capacity to execute behaviors necessary to produce specific performance attainments. Self-efficacy reflects confidence in the ability to exert control over one's own motivation, behavior, and self-environment. Now, one of the clearest examples I saw when researching this term is the fact that if a patient has a chronic illness and they're concerned about getting back on track, they can do this by having the confidence in themselves to adhere to whatever their doctor is telling them and to have the mindset that they can and will get better. It's all about putting yourself in the proper mental capacity. Now, that's great. A load of garbage to us because we know self has nothing to benefit us. But here we go with the duality. Because we are spiritual, living out a carnal existence, because we're first and foremost children of the Most High God, then we're going to hop into scripture. 
It is through self-efficacy that we now understand our true identity or our true self relies inside of the revelation of who Christ Jesus is, our Lord and Savior, our all in all. Remember? So with that, when we understand what the scriptures say, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If you need to break free, have faith in God's strength and in his promises to you that he has overcome this world. So you don't need to worry that you can have peace of heart, that you can have peace of mind, that you can have joy, that you can have peace and everything else, that you can have blessings today and not just when we move on over to the other side. But if you have the right mental aptitude, because your spiritual aptitude is already there and it's growing every day as you take breath from the Lord and you put forth practical application of the word. But if you prepare yourself mentally, Lord, I know I can do it because you've got my back. Well, then guess what? You're going to go do it because now you've put your trust not in self, but in God, who is your true self, your true identity. I'm going to leave it there. Let's let's hop into the scripture. So we're going to take a look at first John uh, chapter two, verses 15 through 17. And Galatians chapter five, verses 13 through 18. And so the Bible says, do not love the world of the sin that opposes God and his precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh and the lust and longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, pretensions, confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the father, but are from the world. The world is passing away. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And with it, it's lusts, the shameful pursuits and ungodly longings but the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes live forever and then in Galatians 5 the Bible says for you have been called to live in freedom what's that we have been called to live in freedom not in oppression but to be free why because the son has set us free and because he did it we're free indeed my brothers and sisters but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, not self not Buddha, not Vishnu, not those books, but God himself. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. And if you're familiar with Galatians five, right after this, it tells us that if you follow what your sinful nature wants, it leads to all sorts of erroneous and disgusting things. But right after that, it tells us what the what the fruit is. Thank you, Lord. I almost lost myself right there. It tells us what the fruit is when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. And as we just see, and we ended it here on purpose, it's that when the Holy Spirit, when we allow him, when we allow the Lord himself to, to actually guide us like he wants us to, well, then we're better off for it. Yes, we're going to make mistakes along the way. We're not perfect, we mess up. We we tend to like, hey, God, you know, I know I should probably do this, but I kind of really want to go do that right now. So just, you know, give me a pass, please. That happens. I'm not saying you should do it. I'm just letting you know we're not perfect, y'all. But what I am telling you is, is that when it comes to this duality that we have here, like Paul talked about in Romans chapter six, seven and eight. It's that as we go throughout this Christian journey, we have the power through Jesus, not self, 
but through Jesus, because he's our true self. And we're going to get there. It's through him, through understanding our position, through understanding who we are, because we belong to God. He bought us at a very high price and understanding why he loves us so much and the purpose of that love through us getting saved. When we understand these things, we begin to tap in to that Holy Ghost power that we hear so many gospel songs talk about. And it's simply this. Your spiritual norm does not have to be living in God's permissive will where you make the mistakes and then he fixes them according to his goodness for you because, you know, we love him and he works all things out for us according to, you know, but no, 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 no. We, we, we don't have to live there. See that that's there because of grace and mercy, but we can live in his perfect will as our new spiritual norm where we make it the intent, just like we talked about with self self-efficacy, where we make it the mental attentness to go serve and please God. Because the spirit is saying, I want to please God, while the flesh is saying, I don't want to do any of that. I want to go do whatever makes me feel good in the moment. And then the mind, which you can train through Christ Jesus, helps keep this thing in place. Hey, I think we should go do something stupid. I know that we shouldn't. And glory be to God, we're not going to do it because he has given me the power to subdue you. The Bible teaches us that each and every day that we rise, we should crucify ourselves a daily, meaning we wake up, we revoke what this thing wants, and we accept what Christ wants for our lives. And in doing so, we relinquish command of the day to God. Now, when you relinquish command to God that day, yeah, you might make a mistake or two because you're human and things happen. You might have a random bad thought that you didn't pay any mind for even a split second, but it happened. So you messed up. You see how easy it is for us to mess up? I'm not telling you this to beat yourself up. I'm letting you know so that you understand that even when these things happen, what's the intent that you have behind your day? What's the intent that you have behind that week, that month, that year, the rest of your lifetime? What is your, what is your, your heart saying? I want to please God. Well, great. That's good. How are you going about it? By making the word practical. You see, it's all one big process that all points us back to the source himself, God, the one that's eternal, the one that takes this dead spirit of ours, transforms it into a live one, and then gives it the ability in his name to go help get other people out the trenches too. So we can be one big happy family. I mean, it's a very simple process, y'all. And as we saw, lust isn't just about, oh, you got you got that burning in your loins. You need to go do something gross with somebody. And it's not all about that. You might be really lustful for money or for things or for a position or maybe you're feeling kind of covetousness. You're feeling that because you're jealous of something that someone else has and all these different things can stem from lust. But because of the duality of man, this great desire wasn't always the bad thing. The bad thing is, is that sin is here and sin can take anything that God has made good and contort it and make it look terrible. But I thank God that because we're now inside of him, the lust doesn't have to be lust as the lustful levels decrease. The great desire, which is the pure form of that, is now taking its place for us to go and please God. See, I used to be very lustful toward women. Okay, I'm, I'm human. I'm a man. I'm young. Been there, done that. But as I started to see it quite literally destroy my life, what happened? I had a choice to make stay in it. Feels good. Why not? You're young, so you're oats. That's what the world says. It must be fine. But where is it getting me? We just read, don't use your freedom 
to help please what this hunk of crap wants. Don't do that. That's that's not what the freedom is for. The freedom is so that you can go be free. If you got free and then still lived like you were in prison, are you truly free? But if you get set free and then go live free by doing things that you didn't used to do, you know, you don't do the things that got you locked up anymore. Well, then that shows that you're flexing your freedom. But back to it, I had to make the choice, stay there and keep messing up and destroying relationships in my own life and future. Or God, I really need you to help me get rid of this. So what did he do? He gave me the strength to endure. And that would look like a weight. And when God puts a weight on top of a sin, the sin only has the choice to slowly fall down until it's completely dissipated and crushed. And in its in its place where it used to be, instead of, you know, that same old demon coming back with seven more so it can fill its house. When we let God be God and surface in that place like he wants to do, like only he can do, only God can fill the holes in your soul. Well, then what happens is where there was once lust is now a great desire. So where there used to be these horrendous thoughts of wanting to go to only only what you need to pray about, because I'm not going to repeat some of those things. That's no longer there. Now you can be in the presence of other people and not have this internal explosion going down. Life used to feel like a battlefield where missiles were going off left and right. I kid you not. And I found a prayer on a Christian forum site that that said that verbatim. And I would pray that every day for almost two years until God got me to the point to where that was no longer an issue anymore. Now, do certain things still happen? Do you still have those thoughts? Yes, of course, you're human. We, we have that, 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 that curse inside of us because of sin. But I thank God that we are no longer slaves to the curse. You see, the thoughts can still come, but you don't have to act on them anymore because you're free from the obligation to please it. Satan's not your master anymore. God is. God doesn't tempt you because he can't be tempted by evil things. And so because that's not a thing for him, he's surely not going to do it for you. And I'm skipping all ahead, but that's fine. I need you to understand that when it comes to controlling the lust, the, the lust for anything, you can. But you have to put yourself in the mind state in Jesus's name to understand that you can and will break free. I don't care if you've been doing something for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. I don't care how long you've been doing it. I don't care how much of your life it's taken up. I don't care how many relationships it's destroyed. I don't care how many opportunities, how much money, how many resources, whatever you've lost behind it. I don't care. Why? Because God, like my mother so aptly prayed before Bible study, can do any and everything in your life if According to Jesus's own mouth, if you would just let him, you got to have faith. If you have faith in God, anything's possible. Why? Because you show that above all else, you trust his love for you. The love that went hung himself on a cross didn't have to do it, but did it. Did it thousands of years before you were born, but died for you died for everybody who had already come and died for everybody who is to be born. Why? Because he loves you. Simple as that. It's simple math. One plus one equals two. Jesus plus you equals redemption. Okay. It's very simple. And that's it, y'all. Let's move forward. Matthew 5, 27 through 30 and 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 22. And so the Bible says you have learned the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown away, thrown into hell. 
And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Moving down to 2 Timothy, the Bible says, Study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman, tested by trial, who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that leads only to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, as in the case of Hymenius and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. These expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and living faithless. I'm sorry, your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So we've got a a good chunk of scripture here, but let's 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 summarize it. Let's break it down and let's relate it back to what we're talking about here. Jesus himself is being very straightforward with you. If you think it, you've already done it. Why? Well, we understand that the actions that we take as people, the things we say all flow from the treasury of our hearts. Now, according to the good Lord himself, that treasury can be either good or bad. And we will know people based upon the way that they carry themselves. So you're a good person, according to God. I don't mean any standards we talk about because good people, according to human standards, still are not worth a dime. But we're good according to God, meaning we've given our lives to him and we're on the sanctification highway. You have a bad day. You may say a few bad things. You may even do one or two bad things. But overall, your life reflects a very godly life. Do we have our shortcomings? Yes. But people can see without a shadow of a doubt and have a very clear understanding that you belong to the Lord on high. And it's not your goal to do these or say these dumb things. They just happen sometimes because, again, we're not perfect. But you make it your intention. It is your 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 utmost priority to live a life that is pleasing to God. And you do your very best not to offend him, because why else would you allow God to write the scripture on your heart? You don't just have it memorized, but you're living it out. And in doing so, you try your very best to never offend your father. And when it happens, we ask for forgiveness. That's what grace and mercy is there for. When we need it, it's there. And boy, I thank God it's there 24-7 because we sure be needing it. But on the opposite, you have people who talk a great talk, but the things that they do are absolutely atrocious. It's disgusting, the things that some people will do. I mean, look at this conflict right now between Russia and the Ukraine. Over what? You want some land back? My brother, this is a a 21st century era that we live in where diplomacy is a thing. You want something? We have talks for that. I'm not saying these talks don't always end up leading to bad things, but like go a civilized route. And that's for anything that we can do. We, we grow and expand as a civilization with the hopes of being better. Now, without God, of course, that's not going to happen. But the whole point is, is that we do these things to better ourselves. One of the biggest things we can do inside of Christ the Lord is to let him be our God. People love to say, oh, well, the Bible was written so long ago, it doesn't correlate to what we're currently going through, doesn't it? 
I mean, if you just make the words modern through this little thing we love to talk about in English called diction and you just change them out. Well, everything is happening right now. Why? Because the Bible even says there's nothing new under the sun. People have been lustful and crazy since sin came into the world and it hasn't changed. It's still here. It still looks the same. Some of it looks different because of technology. But I mean, it's all the same, y'all. People tripping. But you don't have to trip. You don't have to feed into it. Instead, you can break free, get saved, and then go live a free life. One that isn't dictated by you feeling itchy on the inside. One that isn't dictated because you did one bad thing. Now you got to go do it 90 other times just to scratch the itch. No, we don't have to do that. Inside of Jesus, if I make a mistake, well, guess what? That mistake was made in the Lord. Therefore, now I have the ability to give it to God so that the lust does not have an opportunity to grow. Why? Because we know that when sin is given the opportunity to grow, it only gives birth to death. But we thank God that Jesus not only died on the cross, but rose on the third day. And in doing so, death and the grave are both in subjugation to him, meaning that the sin that wants to take you out can't take you out because there is therefore now no condemnation to any of us who are chasing after him, his Holy Spirit, his perfection, his holiness, his statutes, his laws, his decrees, and not after the itchiness of the body because you want to feel good. We don't have to deal with that anymore, y'all. So what I want to tell you tonight or whenever you listen to this is that if you have these things that you feel are just incredibly hard for you to get past, well, according to self-efficacy in Christ, not in self, but in Christ, start little and aim big. You, you have a problem where you, you bite your nails. Give it to God. I'm serious. I know it sounds trivial, but give it to God. At some point you stop and then move up. God, I want to stop biting my nails. About what? A week or two. You're done. Never do it ever again. Great. Aim higher. Lord, I, uh, I want to have a better relationship with, uh, with my estranged parent because they're, they're kind of, you know, they, they done me bad, but that's your parent, you know, honor your father and mother so that your days on the earth will be long. It's, it's simple math here. You don't have to, to like everything that they do. We're people, but honor them because that's the place that God has put them in, in your life. Then aim higher. Lord, I want to quit pornography. I want to quit doing this, this, that, or the other. You see how simple it is with God? If God can give you back 20 years and two days, surely he can take you from biting your nails to getting rid of some generational stronghold that's been in your life. But you got to have the faith and the mental aptitude in Christ Jesus to do it. Now, do your part. Study the word. Pray. Talk to God. Live it out. Ask for help. Seek guidance. You have a multitude of countless witnesses, both with God right now and with us, your family, ask him for help. He'll put somebody in your life to help guide you down the straight and narrow. We, we all work. We're workmen together with the same cause to help get more people saved and help one another live a more straight and narrow life according to the example that Jesus himself laid for us. And when you do these things, when you use the tools that God has given you, well, things start getting put in place. Now, instead of constantly battling, you know, deciding, should I go get a bottle of alcohol every day? You get that thought once a year, just once a year, because God is really good. And then when it happens, you don't even pay them any mind because it's like, Lord, I know that Satan just trying to drag me down the rabbit hole. But in Jesus's name, that's not happening because by his blood stripes, I've been healed, set free, and delivered from it. I'm not going back because that's not who I am anymore. Remember the saying here in this Bible study, Satan 
knows your name, but calls you by your sins. God knows your sins, but calls you by your name, meaning you're not defined by the mistakes and errors that you make, but you're defined by who God has called you to be. And last time I checked, according to the scripture, we're a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a priesthood. We are a beloved nation set aside just for him. We're a remnant, y'all. We have some specialness to us. And in that speciality, well, there's a lot of love and favor here that works on our behalf. So use it. That's all you got to do. And then according to Second Timothy 2, and then we'll move on and I'll get you on out of here. It's the simple fact that because of what Christ is doing in our lives, has done in our lives and will continue to do in our lives. Just you, 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 you should be at a point <laughs> to where just like in natural, you know, when something's not right, you can feel it. That's the Holy Spirit letting you know, hey, this is not it. And when that happens, just you know, high tail, get out of there. Oh, the, I thought that person was really cool, but something doesn't feel right. Well, let them go. Go on about your business. It's seven billion of us in, on this planet. There's somebody out there that's probably better than them. I promise you in Jesus name. I wanted to take this job, but it, it doesn't feel right. Don't take it then. God is the God of the money too. You need some cash. God will put it in your pockets. He'll get it to you somehow, some way. Don't worry about it. I thought she was the one. I thought he was the one. Well, buddy, he wasn't. God will let you know that when this is for you, you don't even have to second guess it because it's going to have his stamp of approval written all over it. The point is, as you grow in Christ, your your heavenly senses get tuned very astutely and your your warning glasses, your goggles that the Holy Spirit has for you. They start to get more accurate. And it's like, you know, that looks good from afar, but I can still tell that's just Satan masquerading, according to the scripture, trying to look like something that belongs to you, Lord. But I'm not going to fall for it in Jesus name. And then you don't. But you got to put yourself in the mindset to let God be God in your life. Now, let's wrap up in James chapter one, verses 13 through 16. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, and then Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. We see that the Bible says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. That's your problem. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when he is dragged away, enticed and baited to commit sin by his own worldly desire or your lust or passions. Remember, that falls on us. But here's the kicker here. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Instead, 1 Corinthians 6 says, run away from sexual immorality in any form, whether thought or behavior, whether visual or written. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the one who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. And Colossians 3 says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life, the thing we've been talking about all lesson, is hidden with Christ in God. You won't know you until you get to know Jesus. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy or don't be lustful. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. So let's bring this all together now. We see 
<clears throat> according to James chapter one, that temptation is a thing of our own doing. Why? Well, see, you get saved. The spirit is now perfected in Christ. You're good there. You're going to heaven. Congratulations. I'm very happy for you because you just avoided a very real and scary place called hell that you don't have to go to because Jesus loves you. But because temptation is a thing and it's inside of us, the sanctification process, the job of it is to remove the seeds of <clears throat> of sin and malice that are left inside of you. It, it doesn't happen overnight. Why? Because we have to let God remove them. It's some things that we still be holding on to. Yes, I know it sounds weird, but I'm telling you the truth. A lot of things that we still get faced with are because we're holding on to them. Other things, they just happen to be generational curses or some stronghold or whatever else it may be. But regardless of what it may be, we understand, according to the book of Romans, that our weapons of warfare are not carnal. And it may not be Romans. I'm not sure. Somebody in this beautiful Bible study will put it up in the, the comments and I'll, I'll correct it because I'm not entirely sure. But the purpose is, is that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual in nature and they have the power to reign in every vile imagination, every stronghold, destroy it, every generational curse that would try to keep a person away from God, that would try to hinder their spiritual growth in him. And because they're spiritual in nature, who are we getting them from? Who's our arms dealer? Jesus himself. And because he's our arms dealer, well, we understand that there is none greater than the father. So if we're inside of his hands, who going to touch you? Who going to get you? What sin, what thought, what whatever it may be is going to hold you down unless you let it. But you don't have to. You're in God's hands. God got you. So run from it. Run from the sexual immorality, the one that destroys you from the inside out. It will have your brain all sorts of confused 30 ways to Sunday. You'll be thinking about how to go do the wrong thing for no reason at the wrong times and fumble your whole life away for five seconds of fleeting pleasure. Isn't that silly? Don't be silly. Instead, be faithful to God because he'll help you not be silly. Instead, when you make a mistake of whatever it may be, even if it's that, God forbid, you don't have to get trapped up in the, the trappings of it. You don't have to stay in there. Instead, you can be free. You can just slide it off you like you're greased up in butter and get out of that situation like a dirty fighter who's greased himself in oil. You can't you can't really hold on to him except for like a second. But then you just slide right off. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us in this very sin filled world. We start sliding through life. <laughs> and I know it sounds funny, but just bear with me. We slide around these issues. We slide through the storm with God because he's made a way for us to walk through it. When we're on that mountainside, we're climbing every step of the way without muscular atrophy building up because he's our strength. He's feeding us while we're climbing. He's nourishing us with water while we're climbing so that nothing bad happens to us in the situation but instead that we're always good to go and uh thank you to granny who and aunt belva who let me know that the the, the spiritual weapons that we have come from second corinthians chapter six verse uh verses 10 well let me see I think it's chapter three or chapter no it's chapter 10 eh, i'm not sure I, I'll, I'll correct it on screen for you guys when you see this and uh on youtube whatever it may be the point is is that we're here for one another and above all else god is here for us and when we look at the very bottom in Colossians 3, the thing I opened up Bible study with, and I'm going to get us out of here, it's the simple fact that if you want to be better, if you want self-efficacy to work, you can't rely on self, Not at least not the self you're familiar with. You got to rely on your true self, who is, in fact, Christ Jesus himself, because when we get saved, well, according to the scriptures, we become one 
with God. There is no separation inside of Christ Jesus, but there is only oneness. And because we are now one with him, well, as we know, as the scriptures say, there is nothing neither on the earth, below it, above it, in all of creation that can separate you from God's love. Why? Because you have become conjoined to the love. You are now consubstantial with Christ Jesus himself. Y'all are one, baby. You're good. You're golden. Stop letting people, places, things, the enemy himself try to trick you and make you believe that you aren't worth what God has done in your life. No, you're worth far more because we've yet to see the whole picture come into formation until God himself takes us to the end of it all. And even more so when he comes back to reunify all of us to himself and get this place out of here so that we can spend the rest of forever with him. Because, y'all, that's the point right there. That's the goal to be with our father for always. And if a little lust is what's stopping you from getting to the next level? Well, I'm telling you right now in Jesus' name, it no longer can because you've just unlocked the secrets to getting rid of it. Give it to God. Train yourself. Look at it. Run from it. Push your faith to new heights. Have some crazy faith like Elisha did. The second he got the mantle from Elijah, Lord, if you could just part this little pond right here in front of me, I know I got the, I got it from you. And what happened? God parted and he, he just praised God. Do the same thing. Lord, if I really do have a relationship with you, just change one little thing in my life for me to see so that I can trust you. This will help me with my disbelief, the thing that we all suffer with, the biggest thing that we all suffer with, the disbelief that'll help me with it so that I can push my faith to even higher heights inside of you. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be put in these very strange situations. At least they're strange to us, to where our faith can be pushed to even higher heights, to where we can take the things that may still be on us from a few generations ago, where we can take the the strongholds that we're in, where we can take anything that's ailing us or causing us to be tempted, and we can use it for your glory. Because, Father, when we are weak, we are strong, according to the scripture. Why is that? Because it's when we're at our lowest that we have no one else to call on but you and I thank you for the low points because those low points translate into the high points being to where you're our only option as well father and we thank you for that we thank you for the active training the -the on-the-job training so that when we go through these different things in life we can always remember the most important thing, and that's you, Christ Jesus, that no matter what's going on, you have our backs. If we don't know what to say, you'll put the words on our lips. If we don't know where the money's coming from, you're in charge of it. If we don't know where the resources are coming from, they're all yours. If we don't know where the connections will come from, the people and everything else that belongs on this planet is all yours too, God. All we have to do is turn to you. If we don't know where the healing's coming from, God, you literally rose your from the dead by your own power and majesty there's healing we, we don't know whatever could be going on god we know that you got us because you're the god of everything you make it so so where we don't have to worry because if we just put our trust in you even if we don't understand what's going on it doesn't even matter because our faith says but abba has me our faith says but jesus died for this our faith says but god will continue to make a way out of no way like he's always done and lord the best part about it is is that not only will you make the way but you are the way so father If there's anything that anyone's suffering with right now that's under the sound of your voice, I ask that they would just walk out of it right now, Jesus, whether it be some lustful thing, whether it be some greedy thing, whether it be some idolatrous thing, whether it be sickness, ailments, or whatever it may be, I declare and decree in your name, Lord Jesus, that by your blood they are healed, that they would just walk out of it right now and begin to give you the praise, because all the praise belongs to you, Lord, that as the fire 
that's permeating in my spirit right now, which is only coming from you, God, that it would just leap out and latch on to someone else, that they would understand that when those of us who you've called to teach, to preach, to minister, whatever it may be, who push this gospel plow, that when we get excited about you, Lord, it's for good reason, because you've taken us from the lowest of lows and now have placed us in the highest of highs to where even our low days are still high because we reside inside of you now, Christ Jesus. You're the beginning and the end. You're our first. You're our last. You're the author and the finisher of our faiths. So if we would just continue to remind ourselves these things by preaching to ourselves in season and out of season, as the word says, Lord, to constantly just call upon your name, to stay steadfast and watchful, to pray without ceasing, to keep putting the word into practice, then well, we wouldn't really have any issues. Yes, we still have some because we're human, but the things that would try to weigh us down would no longer even bother us because we're doing just like you told us, Lord. We're focusing on the thing that's important, and that's you, Christ Jesus. None of this other stuff matters. All that matters is that people hear the word, that they get saved, that souls and lives get changed because they've now experiencing your holy power, Lord that they would just break free, that they would level up, that they would grow, that they would triumph and no longer be defeated because our enemies already defeated. You made it so before you even put this thing in the motion called life. And God, we thank you now that according to the book of Revelation, that the lamb is slain there eternal as a constant reminder to you, O Lord, of what you did for us on Calvary, what you were going to do on Calvary before there was even a mistake that needed to be fixed. And as a, a perfect reminder that when we mess up, when the rage and anger wants to pursue that God, we're covered by the blood stains of your darling son, that we are loved, that we are cherished, that we are, are blessed above uh, and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And all we have to do is just keep coming back to you, Lord, to the source, to the infinite wellspring of our peace, of our strength, of our love, of our grace, of our happiness. All we have to do is just stick it out with you, God, because you've never left us. You never will. You can't do it. You don't go back on your word. Instead, you watch over it to keep it and to perform it. And I just pray that you would share that very special relationship like so many of us have with you, with the person that doesn't. If even just one person got to know you for the rest of this lifetime, well, that would be more than enough to make all the angels in heaven rejoice. And Father, as we close out, We'll make sure to give your name all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey family, I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you, and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.